When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey everybody and welcome back to another exciting episode of Car Stuff. We've got uh, Nuts and Bolts Part 7, Ben. Nuts and Bolts Part 7, we're pretty much, this is like an ongoing series, right? That's I, what we're pretty much doing. Part 7, can you believe it? I can't believe it. We're starting to give the Jason movies a run for their money. <laughs> That's right. Well, last time, you remember, we ran out of uh, ran out of time. We were, listen- we were listing off some uh, listener mail, some uh, Facebook comments, things like some that. Some interesting, like some stuff Scott sees, some yeah. project stuff. The, yeah. yeah, the thing was, sorry, you guys, uh, if our exit... And our last episode of Nuts and Bolts seemed a bit abrupt. Mm-hmm. But basically what happened is that Scott and I realized we, we sort of have internal clocks where where they're set up so that when we're podcasting, he and I both start to get a little bit antsy around 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes in, we both start to get a, a little bit weird. And then I don't know why. It's really impressive actually to me. But – no matter what we do, we inherently seem to know that 40 minutes have passed. Yeah, that's right. Go about 10 minutes longer than realize it's just too much. So we yeah. back it off and uh, we broke this one up into two parts or really six and seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict that we'll have another abrupt ending today. Cause, we uh, very got, well may. <laughs> we've got another stack of listener mail. We've got, uh-huh. uh, we've got great listeners, Ben. Yeah, we love it every time you guys write in, even if you, uh, even if you say, Mean things. I'm kidding. Nobody. All our listeners are really nice, actually. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, we got quite a bit to go through here today. So um, just like last time, yeah. I, I don't know if we'll get to everyone, but we'll try. Mm-hmm. So if you don't hear yours now, stay tuned. Yeah, hang on. You might you might uh, hear it next time. Is, Is that your De Niro eight? face, dude? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you made the De Niro. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll read your email. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, okay. Do you want to kick it off? Or you want me to? Oh, uh, why not? I'll kick it off. All right. um, here's one from. Uh, from Brian from Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. All right. Brian wrote in and said that um, uh, uh, we mentioned the diesel motor and how it was used to uh, power an electric motor. It made him think of one of his summer jobs in, in high school, college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up in southern Indiana and spent six or seven summers working on the Lake Lemon Conservancy uh, District project, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, started doing odd jobs and maintenance, and then he started to work on something called a weed harvester. Have you ever seen a, seen a weed harvester, Ben? Mm-mm. Never? Really? 
I probably have. Okay, this is uh, this is something you see up in the uh, the we uh, the the lakes regions in the North and Midwest quite a bit. Um, anything you know when weeds and and um, seaweed and things like that start to grow from the bottom of the of the lake or pond. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I've never seen one in real life. This though. is a, this is a big thing that floats extremely slow and it pulls weeds up on a conveyor belt and kind of throws them into a hopper and lets them dry out and you can haul them off to the shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it allows for uh, water sports to occur there and you know the the, the life to continue. You know, yeah, to yeah. so it doesn't become overgrown with weeds. Right. Well, uh, Brian says that he had. Um, uh, several different uh, um, different weeds that he was attacking on these lakes and these weed harvesters. But uh, anyways, it just made him think about it, you know, that, that a lot of people probably haven't ever seen a weed harvester. Yeah, he's and, right, Brian. Uh, you're right. I haven't. Um, you know, they're like 40 feet long. They move super slow. They're huge. They're enormous boats. Yeah. Uh, but he spent countless summer hours uh, just kind of slowly tooling around these lakes, which sounds like kind of a cool job. Yeah, it seems cool. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's it allows them to do it mechanically rather than use weed killers and other uh, things that might be yeah, it might be dangerous for the fish or you know other yeah. aquatic life so um thought it might be a good car stuff idea or at least to uh you know allow somebody to the the thought to go to google and search what a weed harvester is uh so Brian thanks a lot i don't know if we're going to do a show about it or not we'll see yeah we'll see uh, if there's enough about it but uh i think just getting the word out there that those are even out there is, is yeah. worthwhile so. cuz that's news to me i feel i feel like uh I, f- I feel very surprised because well, usually, usually if I haven't seen a machine, I've heard of it. You know, if you're in Minnesota or Mis- Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Indiana, any of those states that have a lot of lakes, uh, you'll often see these in the summertime, just yeah, real slowly crawling through the lakes. It's really interesting to watch. That's probably why. I've mm-hmm. never been in those areas during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Yep. So thanks, Brian. So Dave in England writes to us and says, Hi, Ben and Scott. Here's an idea for a possible podcast. Why does a car's performance reduce over time? In other words, you always hear about vintage sports cars having a certain amount of horsepower when it was first built, but nowadays is reduced down to half or so. An explanation on why and how, such as the key engine components that cause this reduction, would make for a decent podcast. Good idea. Good idea, Very Dave. Good idea. What you got, Scott? All right, I got one from um, Morgan uh-huh. from the internet. All right. Uh, <laughs> he's mentioning uh, some airbag videos that we watched. I did watch the videos, by the way, Morgan. Mm-hmm. Pretty funny stuff. Uh, dangerous, but funny. Um, <laughs> so he mentions, um, works at a shop in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and he's got some of these, these airbags that he had come across. Mm. And, um, he, well, boy, I don't know if I should even read it. I guess I should. Why not? All right. Uh, <laughs> he puts things like, uh, you know, like a bucket on top of an airbag and blows it up and sees how <laughs> high it goes. And then they put a brake rotor on top of an airbag and blow it up and see how high it goes. That was a bit dangerous. Um, not recommended, but, uh, they also did things like making, uh, should I even read this, Ben? Make a flamethrower out of a fuel filter. As long as we're um, not saying that we <laughs> think anyone should do it. No, no, no. He says, that, he says that he makes clear in the videos that it was foolish at the time and they had no idea what was going to happen. So, uh, you know, they, they say they won't be doing it again, but, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to let Morgan we d- know that we did watch the videos. I found them funny, but, yeah. uh, you know, with the word of caution that, you know, no one should be doing that. Funny because we're not standing there in the in the area. Yeah, that's right. What, Dodge and brake rotors. Yeah, brake rotors not going to come down on my head. Uh, okay, so I've got one from Yifei. Uh, Yifei. Uh, sure. I don't want to mess up the title. Then. Um, hello, guys. I was just listening to you guys' podcast regarding the biggest trucks, and I've seen the Terex Titan on display. It's actually in the town of Sparwood, British Columbia. Uh, it's not in a museum, just displayed outside where you can touch it and see the truck yourself. Oh, cool. 
Uh, we've, I've also seen the Caterpillar 797 in action at one of the oil sand projects up in Fort McMurray, northern Alberta, Canada, uh, where I was doing my geology internship. Uh, the reason some of these trucks have a heated dump bucket or bed is because the oil sand, our bituminous sand, is a very viscous compound, almost like tar mixed with sand. And so it needs to be heated or upgraded in order to become crude oil. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I didn't, I'm good, glad I, to know where the, uh, the Titan is located. So you can go out and see that if you mm-hmm, want to. Mm-hmm. Good. Very good. Uh, here's one from, uh, Mike and Joan. Okay. And, uh, this is one about the Autobahn. And, uh, you know, it's a long note here. It's got five or six good points, but I wanted to read one, uh, in particular is that, uh, uh, I said, like, I like the Autobahn episode, um, a few additions and one correction because Ooh. I lived in Germany for two years from 99 to 2001 and had a few observations that we might enjoy. Um, the one that I thought was interesting, or the most interesting was that they'd never heard of anybody being fined for drinking other than alcohol, mm-hmm. um, or, or eating in the car on the Autobahn. Cause we had mentioned that you could yeah, be that, ticketed that, for eating. Yeah. Uh, but they, they think it, it's kind of like maybe a uh, a case of distracted driving like we'd have here in the United States. It's something that, you know, if if they catch you doing it, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But I if, see. you know, if they can prove that it happened to cause an accident, it's not really enforced otherwise. I see what you're saying. Um, they we, have to directly link it to. It, exactly. It's sort of like, you know, you could you could be pulled over. You're, you're probably more likely to be pulled over for talking on the cell phone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're not hands-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than drinking or eating, so that's one thing that we had mentioned. That you know, that's a good point. I think they could find you for uh, or find you for um, distracted driving. So Fred writes into us, uh, writes to us from uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, saying, "Thanks for making such consistently great shows. Oh, you're laying it on thick, Fred. You're two kinds." Uh, so I would. <laughs> okay, it is funny. He says he's. He's joking here. He's like, thanks for making such consistently great shows. It keeps me awake while on the road. Just think of the lives you are saving. <laughs> so that, that's why I'm reading that. We're indirectly saving lives. Um, we, I would love to hear an episode or two, if necessary, on the history of British Motor Corporation. Very good. Uh, you know, you guys know uh, that we have been covering uh, quite a few history of sort mm-hmm. of different things, you know, and um, you didn't know if it was doable. But sure. That was worth the thought. So. EMC. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, here's one from Teddy. Uh, Teddy writes in about transmissions. I just listening to some older podcasts. Uh, one in particular, Learn to Drive a Stick, gave me an idea for a podcast about tractor trailers that are now coming with automatic transmissions, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know what? what? I don't think I had known this. I, I didn't know that they had automatic transmissions. I thought they still had the, uh, you know, the gears that you had to split and there's 20 the gears. gears and, split 24, yeah, 12 Yeah, exactly. A 10 speed transmission with, uh, you know, you split the front gears and, I thought it was still very, very difficult. I've heard of, uh, I've heard of this, mm-hmm. uh, but I have not seen one. That has got to be an incredibly strong automatic transmission. That has got to be, uh, honestly, that has got to be one heck of a smart engineer. Too. Uh, exactly, extremely advanced. I mean, to pull all the different loads that it mm-hmm. needs to, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes empty, and to switch, um, yeah, yeah like incredible. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm gonna uh, switch off from listener mail real quick, just mm-hmm. to do an announcement in addition to. Um, our earlier podcast on Unimogs. An announcement? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a, oh, great. Just a, hey, heads up, everybody. Heads up, Unimog lovers. Uh, the 60th birthday or anniversary oh. of the Unimog is coming. Uh, Mercedes Benz is going to help celebrate uh, by holding a special anniversary party on June the 4th. 
So fans, club members, owners of classic vehicles, drivers, and owners of current models are all invited to the event. So it's going to be hosted at the Worth plant in Germany, where the Umaga is still built today. Hmm. And uh, they're going to have different exhibitions. You know, you can see the historical Unimogs, yeah. which I know you'd be excited about, Scott. Sure. Demonstrations on the off-road course. An old against new show. Oh, I'd love to see the demonstrations. And a plant tour, which I would, I would especially love to tour yeah. the plant. And in addition, there's going to be a Unimog rally with, uh, 60 vehicles uh, driven from, uh, Gaganau, Gaganau. I apologize to the Germans. Um, the original production site, mm-hmm. um, to via the museum to the current production site. And then they're going to continue the party. At the museum. 60th anniversary. 60th anniversary. So, uh, Unimog owners get thee to Germany <laughs> by, uh, June 4th. Is that what you said? Yeah, June 4th. June 4th. All right. Very good. Okay. Let's go back to a few more listener mails yes, here yes. and then, uh, I'll make some announcements of my own. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to alternate. <laughs> okay. Good idea. Uh, this one is from Jamie from, oh, Indianapolis, Indiana again. Cool. Uh, I just catched up on some of the podcasts on brake pad, one run recently on brake pads. Uh, she says, guess what? I just changed my own brake pads last week on my Jeep. I just wanted you uh, to share this because I'm a girl, first of all, and says, if I can do it, anyone can. Uh, you're right that the hardest part about changing the, uh, the brake pads is getting the tires, uh, or getting the tires off as two of my lug nuts were stripped and I had to have a tire shop get them off before I could even start. So, Ooh, um, you know, once you're past that though, it's all downhill. It's very, very satisfying to do this job on your own. So, um, I don't know, she's just happy that we were talking about it and happy that uh, she tried it on her own because it was worthwhile. Awesome, Jamie. And, and uh, you know, not too complex, so anybody could do it. More power to you, mm-hmm. Jamie. You know, we're all about people uh, doing things on their own and being independent. Good work. Um, so Michael writes in to say, hey, guys, I was wondering if you could do a podcast on engine mishaps, such as backfires, etc. I would love to hear what happens when and why engines backfire. I can't really think of any other ideas, but I think you guys might be able to make a podcast about this topic. <laughs> okay. All right. Good Thank one. you, Michael. Yeah, good one. Uh, let's see. This one is from David from Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And David's got a couple of nicknames for us. Oh. I haven't heard these in a while. Okay. Ben, Big Ben. Oh. He calls Big Ben. Okay. <laughs> Scott Rubber Duck. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's Here we, awesome. You know what? This is uh, convoy yeah. stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Rubber Duck, yeah. I love C.W. McCall, dude. <laughs> Very good. And you know what? That ties in at the end of his note here. I'll, I'll mention it in a moment. Yeah, yeah. Please uh, do. I thought you guys might be uh, interested in a recent vacation. I started started a shuttle launch viewing and ended as an epic road trip, uh, sort of focused on transportation. I remember this email. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, this made us think of us. So he said he thought he'd just send a note, just some highlights. Uh, the final launch of the Space Shuttle Discovery, which was amazing, he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they toured the USS Alabama, which is a battleship, the USS Drum, which is a submarine, mm-hmm. and the USS Kidd, which is a destroyer. Uh, they saw an A-12, which was the precursor to the SR-71 Blackbird. That's amazing. Uh, an That's F-4- amazing, dude. An F-14A at, at a different museum. Uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, they stopped at the Salvador Dali Museum, outside of which they were setting up for the St. Petersburg Grand Prix. Uh, where they had Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Bentleys, Porsches, things like that. Um, uh, Porsche Carrera. Um, let's see. And they flew out of Little Rock, uh, and then drove a total distance of 1,923 miles over this trip. Uh, said it was the best vacation ever. And, uh, where's the, the things, convoy reference? They hit, uh, here it is. They hit three state capitol buildings, a zoo, a yingling brewery, and they even saw a convoy of microbuses, one of which was chartreuse. Oh no, on a there chartreuse microbus. There you go. That's from the, uh, oh yep. god. 
It's yeah, so the song weird. Convoy. I love that song. Dude, I know both of those songs by heart. I think I do too. Uh, yeah. God. Well, I'm gonna go listen to it. Rhinestone Cowboy. Uh, Black Cowboy. Ever right in the same uh, same era. Yeah, there, yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Before yeah. I turn this into a C.W. McCall fan hour, mm-hmm. let me uh, mm-hmm. let me remember. We can't go a whole hour. Allison writes in from Washington and says, Hello, I recently bought a car, 1991 Mazda 323 hatchback, and started listening. I wonder if you could do a podcast on turning a diesel tractor into an electric tractor. We already read this one. We did. We did. Yeah. Okay. okay. That was in part six. That's all right. That no was problem. Part that six. happens because, uh, like I said, we get a ton of email here, Ben. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we got yeah. to keep okay, up with our, well, our notes here. I, I'm, I yeah. think I may read some that you've got too. So do the same for me if, uh, mm-hmm. if that happens again. Okay. You got it. All right. So here's, uh, here's one from Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, well, you got some things wrong and you got some things right. Thanks, dude. Uh, <laughs> we do, we do try. Yeah, really. No, first off, thanks. Love the podcast. Uh, lost some awesome learning while we're driving 30 minutes to and from work. Uh, strange car fixes go to Mythbusters. Uh, he says mm-hmm. that you can fix a radiator leak with an egg, which I think is interesting. Cool. Uh, crack the egg open, pour it into the radiator and kaboom, leak fixed for a while anyway. So that's similar to the pepper thing. Uh, breaking in an engine. Uh, we mentioned that, uh, well, I mentioned that I stopped by an Audi dealership and talked to them. It says, yeah. well, VW and Audi have an 08, uh, he has an 08 e, uh, VW EOS with a two liter engine. And the manual states that there is a necessary break-in period for that engine. So, yeah, I remember this email. Uh, this is exactly why we tell people always check check your owner's manual for you know just to be sure about this mm-hmm. stuff. But I did stop by the dealerships and ask them, and they said no, it's not necessary. So mm-hmm. here's where you get this conflicting information. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just go by the email. He he printed out here, and it's very clear. You know, first six hundred miles do this. Yeah. After six hundred to thousand, do that. Um, it's very well laid out. So uh, yeah, just. Definitely check in on the uh, on the break-in procedure. Yeah, I've got a uh, – speaking of that subject, I've got a pretty cool email from mm-hmm. an old longtime listener, uh, Saul. Oh, Saul, yeah. You remember Saul? I do. Yeah, Saul writes in uh, – and when I say old, I mean he's been listening to the podcast. From the very beginning. Yeah, one of our first listener mails actually. Yeah. Um, so he says, hi, guys. Uh, he's writing back on our engine break-in periods and uh, that podcast. And he says um, – I bought a car recently. The new car brings me back to why I'm writing today. In the owner's manual for this 2010 Honda Accord, there is a recommended vehicle break-in period regarding the max RPM for the first 600 miles. Hmm. I'm not sure why they recommend the break-in period, but there is a very specific range of limitations. Well, what do you know? Yeah, and he says, you also mentioned a break-in period for brakes. I just wanted to mention, having bought new tires, that those usually come with a manufacturer-recommended break-in period as well. Not familiar with the break-in for brakes, uh, this is, I'm, I'm doing tongue twisters. That's right. But I have been told the tires are made in a mold lined with lubricant, which then impregnates the outer surfaces of the rubber with the lubricant. This lubricant then causes the tire traction to suffer until those outer layers wear out, generally about 500 miles. I've never heard of that. That is news. That is news. I've never heard of the tire break-in uh, period. It's very but, you interesting, know what? isn't it? What's, what I find most interesting is that here we've got two listeners that you know have – Clearly, they laid out um, yeah. you know, the break-in procedure, whereas I'm getting from the dealers that uh, it, it's it. not necessary. I wonder if it's just a matter of, uh, you know, in the process of laying out the manuals, uh, the mm-hmm. owner's manual, it's just carryover from the prior year and no one has thought to remove that. Or if uh, maybe it's still necessary. Because it's not harmful to your vehicle. Uh, no. No, yeah. it's not harmful to do the break-in is what you're saying. Right, right. right. That's what I mean. Okay. It's not harmful to do the break-in. Well, that's interesting. I mean, again, check your owner's manual, everybody, but um, – mm-hmm. You'll get conflicting information if you just ask somebody versus what you read. Because the only universal rule there is for any car is that if you were good to your vehicle and pay attention to it, it will be good to you. 
Correct. That's the only one that actually counts across all cars. Yeah, true. All right. True. What's next? All right. Well, I got a couple of things I just want to mention. Just throw some things out yeah, there. Yeah. This is no listener mail. I just want to uh, – a few things. Put them on your radar here. Mm. Um, I recently changed my cabin air filter. In my car. We talked about this at the end of last oh, yeah, one, once yeah. we were off air, right? Mm. Um, I, I changed it and I showed you a photo of the it before and after. It was disgusting. Uh, um, cabin, uh, again, not air filter, not right. for the engine. Which is what I originally thought it was. This is cabin air filter, which is mm. the stuff that, you know, goes, it goes through before you breathe it. And, uh, mine was covered with like leaves. Leaves and gunk. I think there was a bee in there and yeah. maybe a moth, uh, yeah. just twigs and it was just Full of road dirt. I mean, it was it was loaded to the top of the pleats with with junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two filter elements, and I changed them both into you know nice clean ones. And the system works much much better. If anybody's having a problem with uh, the car, you can't seem to get the dust out of your car. You mm-hmm. know, you dust the dashboard, yeah, you vacuum it, it everything comes back, and it comes right back. Uh, that may be your problem. If your AC system is maybe not as cool as it was, you know, aside from the other things it could be, yeah. Try a new cabin air filter as well if you haven't changed yours in a while. Um, it just makes everything run smoother. I, my my AC is a lot cooler now than it was. Uh, the airflow is just much greater than it was before. And there's a, a fresher scent in mm-hmm. the car. It's just a, a clean air scent. Um, and the dust problem is gone. It, it, it alleviated that as well. And uh, it really, it's like 18 bucks or something. They're very easy to get to. I just say anybody – because a lot of people forget about it unless somebody reminds them frequently right. about it. Yeah. And this is just kind of my uh, – on a soapbox, check your cabin air filter. It's easy to do yourself and it's not very expensive and it makes a big, big difference in the quality of air in your car. Did you guys Did you guys hear that uh, that little dig there? He's like, unless you keep reminding them about it. Yes, Scott, I promise <laughs> you, man. I'm going to do yeah. it because you're right. The, you're right. I probably need to change mine too because – Dust accumulates on the and dash. And they say they say that you do it every twelve to fifteen thousand miles, right? Yeah. Mine had been in there, and I'll be honest, mine have been in there probably since I bought the car because I did it initially when I first bought it when the car had thirty thousand miles. Goodness gracious! The car has one hundred and sixteen thousand or something like that now, mm-hmm. and uh, that that filter has been in there ever since. And uh, yeah, it just it, take, it definitely takes its toll. Yeah, uh, I got I got a. Uh... Listener mail? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'll come back with some other stuff later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back in. Uh, so Paul writes to us, and stop me if you heard it, Scott. Paul says, hey, guys, just finished listening to the podcast on the ni- Porsche 917, mm-hmm. and uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit, 917. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is interesting to hear the parts of the story about the top drivers rejecting the car in the beginning. On the topic of fanboy cars, however, I grew up – uh, hearing of the mystical 959, and it still today stands at the top of my favorite cars of all time list. What I never understood is why this awesome machine was never street legal in the U.S. I always heard the story that Bill Gates has or had one, and even with his cash, never managed to get it on the road. Uh-huh. I'd love to hear if you could cover the 959 history. I like that idea. I do too, man. I do, because that's one of those myths that's always been out there. I've heard the mm-hmm. 959 thing too. I want to investigate that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Find out what's going on with that for real. And back to you, Scott. All right. Well, it was like newscast. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. All right. Uh, you know, one other thing I just want to mention here is uh, there's some new Beetle talk going on around here. Uh, oh, you know, VW yeah. Beetle. Mm-hmm. Uh, new design. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this right now, but it is shooting for a new demographic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 2012 model with a release date in fall of 2011. Uh, just put it on your radar, take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Interesting vehicle, and uh, I think we're going to be doing a, a podcast on yeah. it soon, probably. Um, 
I don't know. I just thought it was worth mentioning. And the podcast will only improve. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it'll only get better if listeners uh, let us know what they think too. So exactly. We can, we can have something to draw off of. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's one thing. Just the new Beatles, what I mm-hmm. want to mention. Um, the other thing, you know what? This kind of ties into this. Uh, this is a question from Facebook that I got from uh, a writer named Jeff and Jer. Okay. Two separate emails. Um, why don't model years line up, car model years line up with the calendar years? You know, why do, yeah. why do car makers either release things way early mm-hmm. or, uh, they hold off to the end? Like, uh, this, this Volkswagen Beal is going to be, you know, released in fall of 2011 with the 2012, mm-hmm. uh, nameplate or, or year, model year. Um, so we'll talk about that too. I think that's, uh, that's something pretty simple really, but, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it, interesting. It's relatively recent too because there used to be a single date in the year, a calendar date that, mm-hmm. that the automakers would all release their new models and it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, people would go down to the dealerships and, and watch the unveiling of cars, and that just doesn't happen anymore. No, not not in tandem. Not so in I kind of like to talk about that in a little more detail. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's hold on to that idea too. So here's an email from Joel. Uh, he says, so as for backstory, <laughs> there was this father-son team out here in Seattle who decided to drop an LS1 motor, 350 horsepower from a Corvette or Camaro, into an 85 BMW 325i. Hmm. Okay. The son was a mechanical engineering student and he catted up a lot of the parts, documented the process, wrote a guide, which he now sells to other people. Uh, so then, since then, a lot of people have done this swap, putting a 350 plus horsepower into a 2,500 pound car. So what got me thinking about a podcast was about a month ago when I decided that a good graduation present to myself would be putting a 430 horsepower LS3 into my own BMW, a 1991 318iS. Very nice. So he says a podcast about hybrid cars or the crazy amount of work that it takes to do these kind of swaps in modern cars as opposed to a 60s car. So when he says hybrid car, he's talking about uh, a new engine, a giant engine and a smaller vehicle. Nail on the head, Mr. B. Okay, or just a different engine in a, mm-hmm. in a different vehicle. So, okay, good good point. Good I think, point. Have we talked about uh, swapping some engines yeah, we did, in the past. We did. I know we've done some blog posts. We and, did an engine swap. I just I love the uh, stats on that. Yeah, Because I if too. you think about the 400-plus horsepower engine yeah. that he's talking about putting into his BMW. Yeah, that's got to be great. It's going to have some zip. I mean, you know, we talked about like the Archie kits, I think is what they call them, where they put a V into a, a yeah. Fiero, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, which is yeah. insane, but it's 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 excellent for kit car applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, just leaving it as a Fiero with a V8, which is pretty cool too. On its own, yeah. yeah. So, okay, you know what I'm going to do, Ben? What's I'm going to go through and just uh, give you basically the topics. We're not going to read a lot of these now. Okay, do some um, rapid fire. I'm going to rapid fire through a few, and then I've got one more quick thing I want to mention that's not listener mail. But um, So if you hear your name here, this is just a, a topic idea, and we're thinking about them. Jim writes in with a podcast show idea um, about OBD2, onboard diagnostics, and mm-hmm. you know the check engine light mm-hmm. thing. So that's a good idea. Um, oh, Boucher writes in with a new idea. Um, he wants to hear about abandoned buildings, and uh, you know, Boucher, we we talked, we had Boucher before, yeah, lots of times, yeah. lots of times. So. Um, Hey, how's it going? What's up? Uh, get, uh, <laughs> he wants to hear about uh, some of these abandoned buildings and and finding some of these old, um, old like the, uh, the Harley Shack or the yeah. uh, uh, the velodrome that that's in uh, Detroit that's abandoned that people mm-hmm. are trying to bring back and things like that. So uh, this is a this is a great cool. idea. You know, yeah. bringing bringing some of these back as like state historic landmarks. Cool. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff that's been abandoned. So that's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. And that um, I think the Google Earth may help some in this because you're able yeah. to locate some things that you might not have been able to from the ground. And write your uh, past, write the but, local um, write to the local reps, yeah, uh, representatives in that area because uh, it's it's a big thing too for uh, 
your state representatives to be able to say, oh, we found this. Let's yeah. save it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So he's talking about abandoned buildings and like some production facilities that are cool. that are noteworthy and historic. So good idea, Buche. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, another one from Facebook. Uh, this is from Robert and has an unusual suggest- suggestion. Um, oh, this is one's about uh, – Songs that uh, include, uh, they're like automotive theme songs, I guess. Oh, uh, wow. not so, ma- not so much driving songs, uh-huh. but th- songs that have, um, like Little Deuce Coop or, uh-huh. uh, the old little old lady from Pasadena or his yeah, suggestions. Yeah, yeah. So, um, get the idea, but something that Mustang might be- Mustang Sally. Might be fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It might be fun to do something about that. Um, okay. That's one you just read. Here's one from, uh, Facebook from Kirby. Uh, might want to do a show on Chaparral race cars, which is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, some of the coolest cars ever made, according to Kirby. I think <laughs> I might agree. Uh, also one on the Ariel Atom, which is uh, an excellent idea. Uh-huh. Here's one from Chad from, uh, let's see. Chad uh, doesn't say where he's from. Uh, goes by the nickname Roadkill. Uh, we had a, he's, he, we featured Roadkill in, uh, an earlier episode. Oh, did we? He's been emailing us a lot. Though. Oh, yeah. You know what? We got a lot of them here recently too, but, um, this one mentions the backup camera. And, uh, how easy it is to actually find and install one. And he found one for about 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says making parallel parking in a college town a lot easier because he's got a full size truck. Yeah. Um, I think, and, I think this is the one we read earlier. Oh, did we? Oh, I'm, <laughs> my apologies. Okay. So sorry about that. But here's an, uh, yeah, here's another one from Chad. Here's a, a correction on me, I guess. So, so I'm going to read it. Oh, okay. Uh, make sure you guys are probably get a lot of pet peeve corrections, but I have one for you, Scott. Every time you say asphalt, you say it with an H, which is not the word. It's not asphalt. I assume you say it without thinking about it. Uh, good point, Chad. He's right. I do say asphalt. And I think I'm, I might blame my parents for this one, Ben. I've always felt weird about saying asphalt in front of my parents oh, as a little yeah, kid, yeah. which is weird. But I just carried it on ever since, uh, I don't know, strange. <laughs> That's funny. Um, here, I'll give you give – you- <laughs> A quick break, uh, just to, uh, let people know there's, there's a really interesting thing going on with, uh, basic engine innovation right now. Um, as you recall, spark plugs are one of the consumables of an engine. Yes. Unless these researchers have their way, uh, Tom Shenton, a re, an engineering, uh, scholar at Liverpool University is looking for a way to use focused beams of lasers in place of spark plugs. Awesome. Just to let really you guys cool. know. I think I heard that Ford is working on this as well, yeah. right? That Ford mm-hmm. is, uh, Ford is one of the ones that's kind of pioneering this. And yeah, saying, they're spearheading a lot yeah. of the research. Um, they, they hope to put the laser ignition systems in their top of the line vehicles within the next couple of years. Awesome. So that's how it happens a lot of times with these kind of innovations. You try them out at the top end. Yep. Yep. Freaking engines with freaking laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more thing, but why don't you do some listener mail? First? Sure. Okay, we got a couple here. This yeah. is uh, this one's from Bridger, uh, Facebook suggestion also, and this is one that you mentioned last week, Ben. Uh, the Shell Eco Marathon. Uh, you know mm-hmm. these extremely high mileage vehicles that are uh, uh, they're science projects, really. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool, and you wouldn't believe some of the mileage that these cars are getting. If you haven't ever looked into the Shell Eco Marathon, mm-hmm. worthwhile. Should I just go ahead and blow it here? How many miles are getting? Do it. Do it. Ballpark, uh, ten thousand miles. 
per gallon. Per gallon. That's uh, that's for some of these like maybe fuel cell vehicles. The ones mm. that are that are true combustion engines. Still, you're still getting somewhere in like three thousand miles. Yeah, gallon. it's all over a thousand. Yeah, it's like three thousand, four thousand, five thousand miles per gallon in mm. these cars. They're unbelievable. So and uh, I believe this is uh, normal fuel too. Yeah, that's right. It's I mean, it's jet it's, fuel or anything. No, crazy. it's sponsored by Shell, and it's mm. been going on for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been doing this since. Uh, well, I hate to comment on the year right now, but I think it's been going on since the forties or fifties. Let's, uh, a long, long time. Should I go or you want to go? Uh, you know what? Let me do a couple knock real quick knock, and then knock. I'll be done. Uh, Facebook from Nick, First Robotics. Good idea. Great idea. Uh, Mossy writes in, wants to know uh, between Subaru all-wheel drive and other all-wheel drive systems, which one's better or what makes one different from the other? Good idea. Good idea. Good question. Um, that one. <laughs> um, here's one from Joe. Joe writes in about uh, you know something that we made – Want to talk about in the future a podcast idea? Uh, the Honda Rebel 450, which is only made for two years due to a lawsuit from Harley Davidson. Mm. Even though Harley Davidson lost the suit, Honda quit making the bike. Uh, yeah. First bike also to have uh, tubeless spoke rims. So that's uh, that's interesting. So we'll maybe talk about that one. He's right, isn't he? Anthony, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, right. I guess so. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, Ant- good idea. Anthony. Anthony writes in and says, and it's not Anthony, it's Anthony, Anthony. Uh, writes in on Facebook and says he'd like to know the history of diesel engines, which uh, I think we may have already done some of that. Yeah, yeah, we've done some of that. Um, Adonis uh, writes in and says that he'd like to hear about Prince Motors and Skylines being banned from racing for being too fast or powerful. Uh, so, again, maybe one of these myths, but we'll find out. Uh, mm-hmm. Converting a non-U.S. car to meet U.S. standards. So um, I think he's right, but there, you know, it's rule change type things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So, um uh, Dean writes in about the Carmen Ghia, one of the most beautiful cars ever made, according to Dean. So we'll maybe talk about the Carmen Ghia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Adonis wrote in again about uh, a rotary-powered vet that maybe never made it. Um, I didn't know about that. Um, technology of the past that failed but is now back. Oh, okay. Um, That's a good idea. Also mentions running an engine on soda can, on a soda can. I think he's talking about a Sterling engine made from a soda can. I've seen that online. Yeah, yeah. You can see those. Um, intake electric turbo scams. Okay. Got that. Um, in, uh, additives to increase octane. Do those really work? Uh, an automatic trans prevalent in America. Why is that? Is it because we're so lazy? Hmm. Mm. I don't think so. No, we talked about some of the. We no, talked about some no. And that about wraps up for my listener mail part. I've got one other thing I'd like to mention later, but um, well, I'll do this. What I've got one last thing. I'll do this, and then it goes to you. Okay, and then you'll have the last word, and then we'll end it. You did a great job. Don't beat yourself up. You did a great job. Uh, all right, so we talked about automated cameras, like the cameras that will write you a ticket. Yes, at intersections, yes. red light cameras. Well, well, well. I've got a uh, news report here that shows the uh, New Orleans annual operating budget indicates the city government has increased its reliance on revenue from red light and speed cameras to cover holes in their operating budget. Mm. Revenue from red light cameras increased from 3.4 million in 2008 to a projected 18 million in 2011. That's an increase of 419 percent. 18 million. 18 million. Wow. And a lot of people are. Uh, a lot of locals have a problem with that because the senator, Danny Martin, uh, from Metairie, uh, wants to eliminate speed cameras across the state and he's not surprised by the revenue increases because he thinks the city avoids putting cameras in poor neighborhoods and targets wealthy areas instead. 
He says that classifying red light camera tickets as an administrative violation instead of a criminal violation allows the justice system to circumvent the standard rules associated with the submission of evidence. Wow. So this stuff really is a hot button issue. We talked before about how you can have more safety. We had some listeners write in and say that the yellow lights get changed, that the timing changes Mm -hmm. in a way that makes you more likely to have a ticket. But here we have an actual U.S. senator – Who's saying that there is something rotten at your local intersection? Oh, I see charts and graphs and everything over charts there. Charts and ben. graphs, four hundred percent increase. That's amazing. That that is amazing. But that's one of those. You know, it's like what Mark Twain said about statistics. You know, when they say that it had uh, three point four million in two thousand eight, how many more cameras did they build over the next three years? Yeah. You know okay. what? So it's it may not just be one factor. Okay, understood. All right, so you can bend the statistics to fit, and mm-hmm. I understand. But it seems like that's a dramatic increase. It seems like there's something going on there. It does seem like and someone's that's, that's New Orleans only, right? That's just a fact for, for yeah. This for doesn't that's... apply to uh, the rest of the state. It doesn't apply to the rest of the United States. Wow. Okay. One snapshot. What do you got? Unbelievable. This is the last thing I've got here, and then we'll wrap it up because man, we've gone long. <laughs> I have been uh, I've been playing around with the idea of putting an intake in my car, just a you know an air intake, mm-hmm. and uh, I. Kind of going back and forth between buying a, uh, a pre-assembled kit, you know, something from K&N or sure. uh, Spectre or whoever, um, and or building one on my own. Because you can do this on your own out of parts that you you buy, you know, just here and there. So time commitment. It, it is. But you know what? I don't know which way is better. I would say that buying the kit is better from, you know, from K&N or whoever I want to go with. Probably K&N. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's expensive. But um, – it's just it just seems like it's all specifically built for that and there could be no problem with it. You know, I don't I don't want any problem either. I've done this in other cars and you know, just gone with a KN kit and, yeah. and been fine. It works out real well. Uh, but now I'm kind of interested in maybe doing it myself and I've been going around and asking people about this, you know, at different auto shops and uh-huh. um, a lot of places and I'm getting some disappointing uh uh, experiences yeah, yeah. out of this. I'm, I'm talking to managers at different uh, facilities, right. different uh, part shops, which I won't name, but sure. some of the big name ones. I'm talking to the managers of these places, and they don't really know what I'm talking about when I'm asking them about this stuff. Ah, but our listeners will. I think our listeners will. Okay. And I'm 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 finding myself really really frustrated because to me this seems like a pretty elemental, pretty simple thing that I would think a manager of a an auto parts store would understand or know about, mm-hmm. and I. I I'm left, you know, like kind of smacking my forehead. Like I can't believe that this person yeah. is the manager of an auto parts store. Um, that's probably not fair, you know, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of other managers are, are well suited for this and have all the answers. Mm. But am I just talking to the people that how, – how is it that I'm going in and talking to people that have no idea? Well – Regularly. Well, we can't – you know, I can't answer that question and our listeners can't answer that question, but they probably can give you the uh, input you're looking for. Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to, you know, be down on, no, on no, auto no, parts no, managers no. because I know there are a lot of them out there that know everything forward and back and, and far yeah. more than we know. Yeah. But um, really, I, I just – I find it frustrating because, you know, I know that it's in the parts in the system. They can look it up. They, yeah. they, they don't understand – some of them, Ben – don't understand what an air intake system is. They're still looking for a filter. What gives? I don't know. I don't know. And it, it's very, very frustrating. So I wonder if a lot of other listeners are having similar issues, you know, because mm-hmm. it's very, very frustrating. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up on a good note. <laughs> yeah, it's still a good note. It's still a good I note. Still want to do, I still want to do this project and I'm having fun with it, but mm-hmm. um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards the, the pre-made kit, you know, the one that you just buy and, uh, you know, put on. That's it. 
So what do you guys think? Uh, can you help Scott out in this decision? Do you have any pros or cons for the kit versus the DIY approach? Uh, if so, hit us up on Facebook. Let us know what you think on Twitter. You can find us on our website, HowStuffWorks.com. And go ahead and uh, send us more listener mail. Obviously, we do read it. Yeah, one quick thing, Ben. Yeah. As you're sending that listener mail, if you've got a photo of an intake kit that you've built yourself, because some people have some pretty wild yeah. kits that they've nice. made, I'd like to see some photos. So if you've got a chance and you, you can attach a, a, you know, a photo with that email, go ahead and send it to us at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.